Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm I'm very good. I, I had like this just I don't know lovely day listening to these old Sonata art like a whole just chunk of old Sonata Arctica stuff, which uh, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, to talking about. Yeah, this is this is a great choice. I, I want to dive into it, and, and I will momentarily. But I wanted to just mention two albums up front that I've been listening to this week. And I think that one of them we talked about briefly offline, and the other, I don't know that I've mentioned to you, but I think you're going to really like it. The first album is the new Art Nation album. I sent you a song earlier today. I told you I've been singing this song to myself constantly. It's called Breakup. Um, off their you know new release called Inception. The first time I listened to the album, I wasn't thrilled with it. I, I only liked a couple of songs, or I should say a couple of songs really stood out to me. But then as I listened to it a second and third time, it just kind of hit me. It took me a little while to marinate. But when you factor in this album and the Crown album, um, we, we may have an MVP for, for Artist of the Year. I mean, the guy's going to wind up with two albums in my top 50, the singers. So I, I was really impressed. I thought this album got much better with subsequent listens. And, and some of the songs are just real standout tracks. Oddly enough, uh, I, I was listening to the new Magnus Carlson's Freefall album today. And, and he, guess who's he on happens there? to be the singer on the first track. Yeah, uh, which is a great right track. Away. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, so. kind of, he's it's like an all-star team on that thing. So that's that's the new Art Nation. And then another band, which I had never heard of before. They're called Silent Utopia. They're out of Belgium, and they bill themselves as a symphonic metal band. And, and the way I would kind of describe this is picture Epica, no growls, slightly less symphonic. And that's what this band is. And this is just really, really good stuff. The singer, whose name is Meggie Meyer, complete Simone Epica, uh, Simone worship, but like from Epica, but really, really good stuff. I will post a track this week. I also included one of their tracks on my most recent playlist, which will be out in the next week or two um, as we get closer to the end of the month. I think you're going to really really enjoy this and you may you may say that you want to kind of dive into the whole album after you hear the track looking forward to it always happy to hear so uh, anything that anybody that considers epica an influence is uh probably on the right track for stuff that i i would like so yeah no 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 doubt about it but uh yeah i spent the bulk of my week listening to sonata artica another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, and I'm curious because you kind of led with this. You were talking about listening to a bunch of their older stuff. What exactly did you listen to today? And and obviously the rest of the week I know was concentrated on silence, but um, did you listen to like just a deep dive into the whole beginning of their discography or what? I kind of wanted to do, I, I hinted at this in the last episode, but I wanted to kind of do fill in some of the gaps that, um, I mean, it's really just one gap uh, from the end of Ecliptica. And, and because if, in this like two year span 
between 2000 and 2001, the band put out a lot of material. Um, they, they released an EP, two singles, and and a full-length album, Silence, which we're going to talk about. And I kind of wanted to... I figured, like, we're you know, we're not going to do a, an episode on, on Successor, which was the EP that was released between Ecliptica and Silence. So I figured I'd give it a, a listen, since there's some... Um, there's some songs on there that aren't um, anywhere else by the band. And it kind of just fills in that whole period of time after Ecliptica. And then I'm sure at some point we'll talk about Winter Hearts Guild and we'll have everything kind of covered up to that point. Um, so I did go back and, and listen to uh, Successor, the Wolf and Raven single, Silence, and then the Orientation single slash EP. Um handful of covers some uh some there's some some uh b-side bonus track material and then all of uh the silence album in full um so just uh for completion's sake i thought it would be interesting to bring up some of the stuff because sonata artica is one of those bands where i would put them up with halloween as far as quality b b material goes i mean some of their b-sides are like like as good as anybody else's A-sides. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think the difference is that I still love the newer Halloween material, and I can't say I, I love much of what Sonata Artica has done. Uh, gosh, I guess in the last 15 years or so, it's it's funny because I go back and I listen to this stuff, and I, I listen to it with a bit of nostalgia, but it really, some of it holds up really well, and I've got some so strong, strong thoughts about silence, but um, do you want to start with orientation, I guess? Because it's, you know, kind of, I guess, a good starting place, or I, I'll leave it up to you this week. Where, where do you yeah, want to start? Um, no, yeah, let's talk about Successor. I mm-hmm. I always think about this album. I was with you when I bought it at the Virgin Mega Store in New York City in Times Square. Um, and for remember- those that don't know, this was a massive 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 cd store in in the heart of times square um this place was multi-layered multi-leveled and it was just i mean like they had everything including sonata artica which you know when you go back to 2001 um or i guess 2000 when when the when the ep came out that's that's saying something because the you know spine farm with the label really was not uh, an accessible label for the most part in the States. And, and obviously seeing this, I guess was like a must grab for you. Yeah, for sure. Like I had gotten the debut album, which we talked about. And, um, I was like, just really hungry for more snot Artica. And, um, they had not released a, um, an album in the U S uh, at the, uh, up to this point, I'm pretty sure Ecliptica was not released in the U S initially. Um, they would eventually end up on nuclear blast by the time reckoning night was released in 2004, but everything prior to that came out on that spine farm, uh, Finnish label that you mentioned. Um, so, you know, the, they, the store happened to have imports and I saw it. I want to say it was like $20 for this EP, that had, I want to say like seven, I think it had seven tracks on it. And they released like a, a number of different versions of this in different um, regions. And depending on which version you had, had different live tracks. I think I eventually tracked down the tracks I didn't have on 
Napster or whatever I was using to download music back in 2000. And so I still to this day have all the tracks, although my copy I think only has the first uh, seven songs. Um, but but anyway, um, it was a cool little collection. It had a, a, a four-minute version, an edited version of Full Moon, um, two covers, which both happen to be by German bands, The Scorpions and Halloween uh, with Still Loving You and I Want Out Respectively. I'm going to cut uh, you two- off there. What's your, what's, your, what's your favorite cover of the two? Honestly, I, I actually like the Scorpions cover better just because... So do I. Yeah, because yeah. I've heard everyone and their mother cover I Want Out. It's like so just... It's, I don't know. I, I, I actually really like the Hammerfall cover with Kai Hansen and and um, and Jokum doing the vocals back and forth. Uh, I never really was a huge fan of, of Snot Artica's version of this. And th- it was also on the Keeper of Jericho uh, Volume 1 or Part 1 album. And it's actually like one of my least favorite covers on that covers album. Um, it, but- it's a bit flat to me. I just... I agree. I, I think the Scorpions cover is better, but the I Want Out cover is just its missing something. And it, I think I, it was I, just a little paint by numbers. It, it sounds like what you would expect Sonata Artica covering a Halloween song to be like. But whereas the Scorpions cover, um, the the original song by the Scorpions is a ballad, like from start to finish. It's a soft, mellow song. And Sonata Artica's version starts out that way, but then it kicks into like this power metal speed metal version of the rest of the song, which gives it a whole different flavor than the original. And I think that makes it like really interesting. And they really decided to like do something different rather than just do another like really slow ballady version of a song that the Scorpions did. So yeah, I I'm with you there. I thought the, I like the Scorpions uh, cover better than the Halloween cover personally. And then we get to San Sebastian, which, you know, <laughs> what maybe one of their absolute best songs of all time. It's I I I, I don't, you know, I, I I look back at Ecliptica, and sometimes in the back, for some reason, I used to think that this song San Sebastian was on Ecliptica, but no, they stuck this thing on an EP, and for my money, maybe one of their absolute best songs of all time. It was supposed to be on Ecliptica, apparently. Um, it fits. Like, it It sounds like an Ecliptica yeah. tune. Uh, th- this song was the gem of this EP when I got it. I just be. I remember being like, oh, shit, like, this one fell through the cracks. This is a real, this is a real gem of a song. Um, I don't know. Maybe they just thought there'd be, like, an overabundance of these really fast. I mean, there's a ton of songs that are in this style on ecliptica so maybe they thought it would be overkill and they ended up saving it for this ep and then um they re-recorded it for silence and we'll talk about that but um yeah i remember this song being like a real killer uh when i first heard it and then they also had a, a very mellow ballad uh shy which um apparently was originally an upbeat hard rock song um, that the band did as a demo when they were before they were Sonata Artica. I'd never heard that version. I'd be curious to hear it. That song never really did much for me. It's kind of, um, you know, it's a little boring. Um, 
but you know, it's a B side, so whatever. And then, and then just a, a plethora of, I mean, almost the entire Ecliptica album live. If you have all seven tracks, Replica, My Land, Unopened, Full Moon, Eighth Commandment, Letter to Dana, and Kingdom for a Heart. Um, I love some of these covers. They actually not covers some of these live versions. They actually play it faster than on the album, and, and the songs are pretty fast to begin with. They play Kingdom for a Heart, I think, even faster live. Yep. Yep. Which they don't when they play it now. It's actually slower than the, the album version, but for whatever reason, they used I guess to speed they were, it up. Yeah, they they were really. Uh, I don't know. They really felt like going for it back then. So um, yeah, this is just a cool collection and. It's interesting. It's almost as if they felt the fa- the the fans of that first album's desire to hear more uh, stuff before they would release their um, their second album. So, uh, was there anything that kind of sticks out to you that that's on this uh, EP? Or, or no, I think you did a great job of covering it. I, I again, I think San Sebastian is the real standout for me. The the, the EP was released August seventh of two thousand. And just nine months later, the next album would come out. Um, it was just a fascinating time for for the band. Uh, they were just churning out material, and and I gotta be honest, the the live songs sounded very good for live songs. Like it, the, I mean, they may have sweetened things up or what have you, but like the the quality of the production is quite good as it is on on Silence. I mean, which would like I said would come out June twenty first. 2001 so we're actually celebrating the 22nd anniversary completely by accident this week uh but the lineup the lineup for the band was the same on both the ep and this their second album tony kako on vocals uh yanni limitainen on guitars miko harkin on keyboards marco pasikoski on bass and then tommy portimo on drums so this was the classic uh, lineup they would obviously go through a number of lineup changes since then uh, but when people are kind of longtime fans of the band like us, this is how we remember the band for, because I guess it was, you know, how we first heard them. Yeah, I, I was actually um, surprised to realize that um, Miko Harkin only played keyboards on Successor and, and uh, Silence and, and I guess the live album that followed and that's it. Like I always considered him like this like legendary member of Sonata Artica. And I, I guess I created that in my own mind because he was really only in he the band. He was a legend for, in your own mind. Yeah. <laughs> he was only in the band for one full length album and that was it. Um, so it plays yeah, a very that, prominent role on this album to be to without be a sure. doubt. Yeah. I mean, his, him and Yanni Limatainen's, uh absence from the band, I think is very noticeable when they both would eventually leave. Um, Yanni sticks around for a bit longer um, but I think that they were such a driving force um, in the band, and and there's I, I, there's a definite change um, from Ecliptica to Silence. And I, 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 before we dive into the album, I just want to mention like about a month or two prior to the album's release, they they released a single for uh, Wolf and Raven, which probably to this day is is the most well known song from uh, from. Uh, silence i would say um and probably yeah and it had a b-side on it called peacemaker which is a really awesome song like i always really liked it and again it was like um it was something like a, a little taste while you wait for that second album to come out but i always really liked this this is one of my um 
One of my favorite uh, Sonata Arctica B-sides. It's just kind of a, a mid-tempo song, but it's really catchy, keyboard-driven. Um, really, uh, I think it has a really catchy uh, chorus. Just a really solid tune. Yeah, I, I agree. Underrated in many ways, I think. Um, not one of their most well-known B-sides. Maybe it's because the Wolf and Raven single was a little bit less prominent than some of the earlier singles and definitely less prominent than some of the stuff that would come later on. But, but this, this was always a a very good song. And I think one of their better, if not underrated B sides. Yep. And I also remember uh, around this time, Wolf and Raven had a a music video, which I think would probably be the first Sonata Arctica music video. I don't think they had any music videos from that first album at least none that i can remember and so i remember being pretty excited that they had a a fairly uh you know well funded music video it wasn't one of those green screen specials that uh you'd see some bands do um this was a pretty uh yeah pretty pretty decent production um i remember putting it on very early uh power hours back in college um but yeah, I, I remember being super excited about this album coming out because of, you know, we talked about Ecliptica and how much we loved it. And it was such a, just a out of nowhere kind of album. This band just kind of really came came out a lot like, uh, you know, we talked about Master Plan. As far as like outstanding uh, debut albums go and just bands just showing up on the scene with like this, this real home run of an album. Uh, th- this is another, ex- you know, Ecliptica was another example of that. So I was uh, very excited to hear what, how they were going to follow that up. And um, it- it's interesting because I feel like there's more, I think, um, layers to, to this album that then, you know, Ecliptica was kind of just like a, a pretty much balls to the wall power metal album. And I think they, they started to, play around with a little bit more themes and, and, and more styles on this album in my head. And I've listened to this album countless times. I, I really remember loving this album. And in my head, I always said to myself, this was not only the worthy successor to Ecliptica, but in many ways just kind of picked up where it left off. And in my mind, although it was definitely more layered and definitely, I don't want to say an upgrade, but, certainly a more nuanced songwriting. I have to admit when I listened to it back this week, I still had the nostalgia and I love the vast majority of the songs on this album, but I can clearly hear the direction change on this album. And in my mind, it was always the third album that kind of in my mouth, in my mind was that had the start of that transition to the new era of Sonata Artica and by Winterheart's, uh, was it Winterheart's Guild? I guess is um, which one call it? Yeah, that was uh, that was the third release. Yeah, the, the, by Winterheart's Guild, I definitely heard it, and by Reckoning Night, it was in full force and effect for me. Um, but going back, this is really in my mind where the album or where the band starts to turn. They didn't stay with that initial upbeat, fast, in-your-face power metal style for that long. There are traces of it on here, but for the most part. They had become much more dynamic, but it sounds great and it sounds fresh. The band really kind of started to lose me with Reckoning Night. I enjoyed Winterheart's Guild, although I think it took another step in that direction that I kind of referenced earlier. 
But by the time they got to Reckoning Night, I really didn't care for the album. And Unia was just an abomination in my mind. So they were really just kind of straying away. And again, I'm sure that reasonable minds can differ. I know for a fact that a lot of the listeners will probably give me flack for it, but I can't help how I feel. This was the the really the first departure from Mattered Sound. And it was kind of a blend because you had certain songs that could have been on Ecliptica. And then you had other songs that may as well have been on Reckoning Night. So it's it's a fascinating album, and it's just different than I remembered it. I think that's really well said. Um, I always considered Reckoning Night as kind of the, the, the final album in that in the first era of Snot Arctica, and Unia is kind of like the beginning of the next era. Um, so did I. But when you go back, I think that you start seeing the chinks in the armor here, if, 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 if you want to call it that. Yeah, I mean, it depending on if that's something you know, that if, you, if you, you, if yeah, if you're not into that, I, I kind of like that they there was more layers to to the music, and I think that there are. I, I think that we could both agree that, like, I probably enjoy newer Snot Arctica more than you do. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I I just think um, not while not all of it kind of hits for me. Um, I generally enjoy the new stuff, even though it's really as different as a cl- songs from Ecliptica or, or anything like black sheep or web allergy or, uh, you know, uh, Wolf and Raven were on, on this album. But, um, I remember, uh, shit, a single, uh, coming out on, um, I'm going to have to pull up the name of it on one of their newer albums. And like, I got absolutely, I got absolutely flamed on Facebook for liking it. Uh, and it's just it was just a very kind of like pop rock kind of song that uh they did um it was uh it was a little less understanding from the 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 Tyvio or the Talvio album and i just thought it was like this really catchy rock song and oh my god i got lambasted <laughs> for liking that song um we have i don't know to, like, and i'm just going to hijack this right now we have to cover one of their newer albums i i, I need to give it more of a chance, but certainly not on the heels of this episode. I don't think. Oh, I sure, do. yeah. So I won't. Pick I it next I week. really I thought Pariah's Child was kind of like them, almost dipping their toe back into the the old school power metal pool, and then what? Then Ninth Hour came out, and it was kind of like, now nah, we're we're gonna kind of go back to where we were headed, which was a little bit more of a poppier, like a little bit more of like an AOR, I think, vibe than a than a power metal vibe, and that's fine, like. That's kind of who they are now, I guess. But I still, I still enjoy them. Um, I think there's there's some real gems that are sprinkled throughout the Unia and Forward albums. I, I just think that there's more songs that I don't care for as than there are ones I really like. But yet the ones I really like, I really like. Um, you know, like you just. For example, like "Losing My Insanity," I think is like a fantastic song. Whereas I think "Shitload of Money" is a, a shitload of of shit crap. Uh, you know, like so. There's less consistency, I guess. But um, going back to what you were saying, yeah, like there, there's definitely some of the um, some of there's there's seeds being planted here of what is to come. But I think that they do a good job of mixing with that 
sound from the original Ecliptica album. And then they kind of take those two things. And that's what makes this album really interesting in my opinion. And same with, um, same with winter hearts guild. I feel like those two albums were really kind of this perfect blend of what the first album of Sonata Artica and the subsequent albums of Sonata Artica would be. Um, I agree with you. Reckoning night kind of missed the mark for me. Although there are some songs on there. I really, really like, um, Sham and Delay might be one of my all-time favorite power ballads and, um, you know, Misplaced and Ain't Your Fairy Tale. There's some really good songs on there. Overall, I don't love the album. I, I, I do think that, like, those first three albums were really, like, vintage, old-school Sonata Artica. But I, I guess uh, without babbling any more about it, um, why don't we dive into the uh, the album proper? Well... I think that's great. I'm sure in due time we will get to it all, but let's let's kick it off with the the intro track of Silence. It's a minute and 17 seconds of really um uh, what I'll call a timely intro track. And by that I mean it's a spoken word piece that quite frankly was very reminiscent of the times. This is when bands would start with these, you know, minute long intro tracks and yeah, you know, certain bands would be doing this prior to, but this would become a thing that quite frankly still exists today in many regards. So not much going on there, but then it goes into web allergy, which quite frankly, one of the best names I've ever heard of any song ever. Um, (laughs) Certainly not allergic to it. I think it's a perfect opener and it really has that vintage, as you said, Sonata Artica feel this fast melodic banger of a tune. Uh, it never really slows down. It's just you gotta have to kind of hang on for the ride because if you miss it, you 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 you're, you're gonna get left at the station. What, what and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember the liberal use of these layered vocals that they you hear on this track. I don't remember that as much on Ecliptica, and I, I, maybe I just don't remember. But other than the fact that I think the song could have been on Ecliptica, those layered vocals really just add an extra element to me that I love and they use it quite liberally on this album, but not enough that it gets overplayed. Uh, I agree. I also find that the, the keyboards of Miko Harkin, um, they have, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it, it reminds me a lot of, of what power quest would do a couple of years later when they first came out, where it's really like these sweeping keyboard chords that, um, kind of, lead the, the music along. I don't remember that being as much of a thing on Ecliptica either. The keys were definitely there as far as like solo, you know, like fast key solos and stuff. But as far as like leading orchestrations and stuff. I yeah. Like, like driving the music in many. Yeah. Ways. I felt like that was new too, but then yet again, it does have that, like that just grandiose fast paced, you know, everything that made, that first album so um, memorable. And I think that was a great way to kind of kick things off just to remind everybody like, Hey, we're, we're still kicking ass and, and here we go. And I never knew this before, but apparently um, Tony, Tony Kako considers this song to be the sequel to blank file, which huh. happens to be the first track on Ecliptica. Um, and and they both cover the theme of internet uh, privacy, which um, would become a much bigger concern years later i mean we're talking about this is like pre uh pre social media um so it's interesting that kind of in this time where people are starting to like 
upgrade from dial up to broadband. That's kind of where we're at in the, the, the internet world. Um, uh, he, he had his finger on that, on that pulse, uh, which is interesting. But, um, this was always one of my favorite songs on the album still is, um, just a real, it, it's very infectious for a song that has the word allergy in it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a very infectious song. And, um, I, I, I just, I love it. Great solos. Everything about it is just vintage. It's not Artica. I obviously like it as well a lot. Although I think the next track is even better. False News Travels Fast is an absolute gem of a song. This catchy keyboard intro that kind of just leads right into another banger. The drums, nothing special. It's kind of just like your standard power metal accompaniment. But again, the layered vocals and spots, um, really cool live. The only thing I would kind of knock it for is that, in my opinion, it's just a complete Stradivarius ripoff. But it's so well done that I almost don't care. Um, it's because, in many ways, it's more dynamic, phenomenal bridge, and it just this is one of those songs that when I hear it, I just yearn for the old Sonata Artica stuff. Um, and, and I love how when they play it live, they even add the speed of light solo. From you know, from Stradivarius, which again goes back to the absolute worship here, and the last note on the album. If you didn't know any better, you would think that Tony Kako was uh, Timo Cotipelto. That's because it is Timo Cotipelto. Really? Yeah. I was going to say it sounds just like him. So yeah, uh, he actually does backing vocals on this track, and he does sing that last line of the song oh, so i'm not crazy like I, yeah. I knew i heard i mean otherwise it was a, it was a but everything else i said still holds yeah, true i didn't know I that until, i didn't know that until recently because i was like oh wow that was very uh timo-esque um you know it makes sense i to this day remember hearing about the european tour that made me so jealous of European tours. It was when I found out that Sonata Artica and Rhapsody were opening for Stradivarius in, uh, throughout the, throughout the, the Europe. And, you know, this was before, uh, I think this was before we would attend Prague power for, for, for the first time definitely was. And I just remember thinking like, Oh my God, like, could you just imagine any one of those bands playing in the U.S., never mind all three at the same time? And, and you know, we'd eventually see all three of them. But uh, I just thought that was such a magical thing. Sonata Artica, I think, only had Ecliptica at that point. Um, and I remember a clip on uh, Stradivarius's um, Infinite Visions DVD where they somebody, like, came out on stage during Sonata Artica's set with a camcorder and they were playing a version of black diamond that was even faster than the Stradivarius <laughs> version. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously Stradivarius was quite the uh, influence on this, on this band, but uh, yeah, that is actually Timo Cotipelto singing there. Learn something new every day. Um, for, I, I think it's safe to say that for the first time, it's the next track where you start hearing something different from this band. And I mean, like, really different. The end of this chapter is a seven-minute epic. And it's one of, I guess, two really, really, like, quote-unquote, long songs on this album. But the difference between this song and the stuff that would come later is that this is one of my absolute favorite songs. Because even though it's not really that fast power metal, it's actually much slower. I think it's it tells a really creepy 
albeit interesting story with some of the worst but most endearing lyrics that you'll ever hear on any song. <laughs> um, and I'll get to that, but let me let me hear your your thoughts on this this song, which is just so different from anything they've done to this point in their career. Yeah, I love this song, but yeah, um, I mean, it just starts out with this this phone call that like. It sounds like the voice from the the killer from Scream on the phone. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Hello, Sydney. Like, <laughs> um, it's just and and the 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 female voice sounds kind of like Sydney from Scream. I thought this was like a deleted scene from Scream or something, <laughs> but just like I don't know. It it's um very strange. I, I again another thing I didn't realize is that this actually is the beginning of an entire saga of songs that are tied together uh called the caleb saga uh shout out to my caleb my land Um, (laughs) so it starts with this it continues on with don't say a word on reckoning night caleb on unia juliet on the days of grays um till death's done us part on the ninth hour and then the last of the lambs from uh tyvio um, so I, I had no idea that there was like this whole story. I am kind of curious if, um, she got away from this creepy man who called her on the phone. I have so many questions, but I can say this confidently. The band basically threw caution to the wind with this one, as well as tenses, because this, this, this track features lyrics such as quote, while you are sleeping, I steal your earring. You, you can't, you, uh, you know, Chaucer, Hemingway, Poe, and whoever wrote these lyrics. I mean, you cannot make it up. Uh, but Tolkien. at the same, yeah, <laughs> not, not Tolkien, Tolkien. Yeah. <laughs> you can't make it up. But there's something so endearing about it that I just love this song. And for a while, it was actually my favorite song on the album. I could easily make this my song of the week. I won't, but I, I easily could. And and I guess the question I have is like. Why does she have a cold mine? A coal mine, and maybe I have to keep listening to these other songs because I had no idea that they related to other songs in the in the catalog. Yeah, I'm kind of curious where the story where the story goes. Like in Juliet, does they, does she get the earring back? Like like what, what's what's happening here? Um, it's uh, unlike anything though. I think this is the first song where like you're hearing a version like a, a version of Snot article that we haven't heard yet. Yes, um, yes, like. There isn't anything like this on Ecliptica where it's kind of like this mid-tempo, it's it's ballady in spots, not totally all the way through. It, it's got kind of a mid-tempo vibe to it. Um, Very diverse song. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Um, some kind of uh, like creepy vocals that Tony does really well where he kind of does that kind of like, yeah, like that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, it's it's a cool song. Um uh, you know, again, it's a little, a little cheesy with the lyrics and the and the the acting at the beginning or whatever. But you know, it's also two thousand and one, so you know, we've come a long way. If you think about Rhapsody and the the narration that went on their albums, and then it kind of graduated to like Christopher Lee <laughs> doing their narration. Yeah, this is a far band cry started, from Christopher Lee. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, I think band started to kind of take that thing, take that a little more seriously. But at this point. Um, you know, it was what it was, but I would be curious to kind of see uh, what the whole full story is uh, regarding this whole saga. 
And and after they dip their toe into something, we'll call it more experimental, they go right back into their comfort zone at the time with a song like Black Sheep. Talk to me about this. And this is, you know, honestly, one of the shorter tracks on the album. It's only three minutes and 42 seconds, but it's it's very reminiscent of something you'd hear on Ecliptica, I think. Yeah, um, this has always been one of my all-time favorites, not Arctica songs. It's probably the song I've heard the most of any of their songs, and I never get tired of it. It might be because it's so short. I just absolutely love it. I think it's exactly what made uh, Ecliptica such a good album and what made this album great as well. Um, I, I I think I'm going to make it my song of the week just because it's always been my favorite and it, it still remains that. Um, I, I get excited whenever I just hear that opening that that just first like couple of drum hits and then it kicks right in. Oh my god, it just gets me so excited. I just absolutely love this song and uh it's it's just awesome. It, it still absolutely holds up and um it's the one song like they could play a bunch of nonsense live for an hour if they but if they play this it kind of all is forgiven. Play this in full moon and you know, <laughs> I'm good. Um but yeah, great tune. Um Why don't we give it a listen and then I uh, look forward to hearing what you have to say about it. that for me this is nothing short of a five-star gem it's as catchy as power metal gets in many ways and it's not blisteringly fast it's not um it's not as fast as other tracks on either album and and quite frankly it's it doesn't need to be because it's so upbeat and some of tony kako's best vocals that he just he hits all the ranges on this thing and i love it and if you like keyboard-laden power metal, this is for you because the keyboards drive this tune like no other. Um, I love the layered solo, like yourself, exactly. And I love the layered solos between the guitar and the keyboard and how they mirror each other with that banging drum beat behind it. Um, the riffs are maybe a little plain vanilla, but it almost it doesn't matter because the 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 bass lines pop so much in connection with the, the track itself that basically every instrument's on full display here. Five stars, perfect song, great great choice for, for song of the week. Yeah, I, I love the solos too. I mean, it, again, it's not a long song at all. Um, might be the shortest song on the album that isn't like a, you know, a segue or an intro or whatever, but... Um, the solos are awesome. Like the the keyboard solos are, are great. I, I remember a live video that 
again, the pre-YouTube days, I remember there was a live video floating around of this song and, and seeing Miko Harkin playing the way he played his keyboard. His keyboard was like, it, like this keys faced up. And so he would play it like this. It was really interesting. And I always just, I was always just, just always love this song. It's just such a, such a killer tune. Um, real, I think a real just classic, uh, song of this era. Um, and, and yeah, that's so, uh, Good stuff. Um, and, and it leads us into Land of the Free, which, to, to my surprise when I first heard it, was not a Gamma Ray cover. I was kind of expecting it to be. It's not. Um, this, this, to me, is one of the is, is the first song, arguably, in their discography, which was just not, like, B-plus, A-minus material. Um it's a song that really should have been on Reckoning Night, in my opinion, or, or Winter Hearts Guild. It's not bad. It's not like I don't like it. I appreciate it. I just don't love it. And I've always thought something was missing here. Um, and I'm not really sure what it is. But if I had to rate it on the grade scale, I'd say this is a B. This is not a B plus. This is not an A minus. This is a B. And the one thing I'll say is that in the middle of the song, seemingly out of nowhere, there's this like russian-esque march which to me just screams nightwish so i like that that was kind of cool although it was completely and wholly unnecessary a b but maybe you like it better than i i think i do i i i don't remember liking the song as much as i did listening to it again um i just think it's like a, a just another just really fun power metal song um i love the whole like Kind of, you're right. I didn't think of it at the time, but you're right. It's like a Nightwish kind of, uh, I don't know, how much of a throwback could it be at that point? Nightwish <laughs> hadn't been around for that long <laughs> at that point. Uh, but um, yeah, I just, I, I like that, again, it's not just like a paint by number song. There's some different kind of parts to it. Um, the chorus is is all right. Um, but I just think overall it's a really solid song. I, I would consider it more of a B plus than a B personally, but, um, all right, well, we're splitting hairs. I'm not yeah, saying exactly. it's a C minus, but you know, I just not, not my favorite song, but certainly not yours either, but we're, 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 we're in the same range. Um, any other thoughts or shall we move to last drop falls? Um, no, we can, we can move, move along. I, 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 I just think this was a, uh, Kind of a, it's it's interesting, kind of how the band um, kind of changes their tempos throughout the album. You know, like Black Sheep was like a fast paced song, Land of the Free is kind of a mid paced song, and now we move on to Last Drop Falls, which is a, a straight up you know ballad. I'd argue a power ballad, but it definitely is 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 a ballad. Um, it's it starts off like a whimsical little thing, and then it kind of just gets a little heavier. I've always had a love-hate relationship with this song, which is kind of like the relationship he speaks about in the song, which is kind of ironic. But it hit me this week, and I did. I definitely enjoyed it, at least given my mood. Um, self-satisfied in many ways. Um, and, and, and walking through the cool night air without underwear. Preach. Who, who hasn't been there at least once or twice? I mean, come on. Uh, this is a really enjoyable tune or at least it was this week although there were times i used to look back and be like Ugh, but no i, I I'm, I'm a fan of this I, I like it more even more so than land of the free well you know the way you got to look at it is that like you wake up in the middle of the night and your earring is missing and you have <laughs> to go out and find it and you might not have time to put on pants 
So you go running out the door and, uh, you know, you realize it's a, it's a cool midnight air. You got no, no pants, no underwear. Um, or maybe you are wearing pants and you're just not wearing underwear. Maybe you're just, uh, going commando. I don't know. It's uh, not summer. Do- it's probably the spring or the fall. It's not freezing, but it's not hot out. It's, it's yeah, cool. Exactly. But you know, you lost your earring. You don't know where it's gone. Um, clearly some strange man was in your house. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you I know, feel like you I'm back it. at my day job where I'm doing dealing with burglaries. I, I, I don't, I don't know, but, uh, listen, I love the song. I, I can't argue with it. It's, yeah, um, it's, it's a great song. I, I remember the band um, doing it live around this time and it being like a really great, you know, like flip, you know, light your lighter and sway back and forth. And um, yeah, it's a really solid power ballad. I, I want to say that they, did they make a, a single out of, yeah, there was a single for this, um, which, um, has a couple of tracks on it that we'll talk about towards the end because they also had appeared on the um, the 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 orientation EP. Um, but yeah, this was the um, I believe the second uh, second single, second of two singles uh, from this from this album. And uh, yeah, it was a good choice. Um, you know, it's always been an inside joke with, with the the midnight air without underwear bit. Um, it, it's it's a funny lyric but um yeah it's a really it's a solid uh it's a really solid power ballad and and i think that it kind of um fits in nicely after you know a handful of mid to fast tempo songs you have this kind of slow it down and then and then it kicks right back in with uh the the revisited version of san sebastian yeah which we spoke about earlier on the ep I love this song, but I gotta be honest with you, I'm not a thousand percent sure how it completely differs from the original. I've always thought that they were very similar in nature. It's blisteringly fast, it's catchy as hell, um, and, and I find it just an absolute treat to hear this. You just move your head back and forth, you smile and enjoy it, with one of my favorite Sonata Artica choruses, and, and quite frankly, just a great live tune when they play San Sebastian. So, the thing that I noticed most about it is that... Um the the opening uh the opening part that's mostly guitar on the EP has a uh, a keyboard that's kind of layered over it um and that's i think the main difference is that it's just a little bit more keyboard laden with a the... great keyboard solo i want to just say that the keyboard yeah, solo on this is i just mean more none. so in terms of like the the accompaniment yeah exactly um because again like the original the song was originally supposed to be on ecliptica and i i almost feel like this is like miko harkin kind of putting his uh his touch onto the song and making it a little bit more of a keyboard driven tune but um tempo is the same i mean the rest of the song is basically the same it just seems to have a little bit more keyboard uh love on it and and so that's why it's uh referred to as san sebastian revisited but um again yeah this is like really one of the most ass-kicking Sonata Artica songs and 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 I remember um, again I I bring up the uh, the the network of when I was in college and you go on the you go on the 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 Ethernet and uh, or the intranet whatever you want to call it and you would see everybody would share their music that they all pretty much stole uh, from Napster <laughs> That's right. and I remember um, seeing this song on my buddy Matt's uh, you know um, collection of songs and. 
he must have heard me listening to it and liked it. And, and he was always a big fan of this kind of era of Sonata Artica. And uh, he actually is one of our uh, patrons. So shout out to shout out to Matt uh, if you're listening. Um, I always think of you when I hear San Sebastian. But um, yeah, really great song. And then we get into Sing in Silence, which is, for me, again, uh, we'll call it the second meh t- tune. Um, it, 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 I always felt like they phoned it in on this one. And they kind of, it's, it's surprising to me because it's kind of a nod to the title, you know, Silence. It's mid-paced. It's just uninspired verses and a chorus that's fine, but not redeem. It doesn't really redeem the rest of the song. If I had to skip a track, this would definitely be in contention. Um, something about it just is a miss, and I can't really do a great job of articulating why. What about you? It's probably my least favorite song on the album, if not in contention for it. It's it's an okay song. I don't dislike it. Um, I just don't know that anything really sticks out. That's all that... Um, worth mentioning but i guess now is as good a time as any to kind of talk about the 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 name of the album is silence the song's called sing in silence and um it the reason the album ended up being called silence at least according to wikipedia which means it has to be true is that <laughs> um the title was originally supposed to be a longer title um tony's then girlfriend suggested silence and he reflected on how important silence was for him. Uh, and, and um, quote, he said, silence is a creating force because when you're on the road for half a year or something like that, I can't make new music at all. So I need something like a month or two to get my head working again. So that's my silence, it seems. So kind of a little uh, interesting take from, from the man himself, um, but kind of an interesting uh, take on things. Um I, I kind of thought Snot Artica was going to start a trend where all their albums were just going to be one one word. Um, <laughs> but then they the third album was called uh, Winter Hearts Guild, so so much for that. But um, also, you know, the, I always really thought the cover art was really interesting, how it just kind of is split down the middle be, between like a... Um, like a daytime scenario and a nighttime scenario. The The right side with the nighttime scenario is very... Very much reminds me of like an old Nightwish cover art. Um, reminds me a lot of like uh, Oceanborn or, or something like that. Totally um, can see that. Yeah. Um, apparently, it didn't really mean anything. Um, it's just meant to depict nature. And um, the only thing that really is supposed to have any symbolism is the footprints leading away from the campfire. And, and again, this is coming from Tony. He said, uh, that thing is like representing a snippet of your life that really makes you go one way or the other. Either way can be the good way, not the bad way necessarily. The album is one of those things that's a bit different, a more difficult album, make it go one way or the other, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, when you think about um, how we talked about like, you know, are are we leaning towards the the first album or are we leaning towards what's not Artica would, would eventually gravitate towards. So um I think there's a little bit of symbolism there that maybe he didn't even realize at the time uh, when he made that comment. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I'm kind of happy that you referenced Nightwish again, because the next track, a minute and 32 seconds 
of a song called Revantale or Revantule. I'm not exactly sure how you say it, but it's an instrumental track, which is just to me another complete ode to Nightwish. Um, instrumental, like I said, v- enjoyable, and quite frankly, gotten better with age. I really like this track, and it leads into this true ballad of all ballads, Talula, um, which I've got some thoughts on, but you want to talk about the instrumental first? Yeah, um, did, did you say Nightwish or that reminded you of Nightwish? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, it reminds me of Speed of Light by Stradivarius, where okay. it's just kind of like that um, blazing fast, just so, like solo fest. Um, and again, it, it's a lot of just keys and guitars just uh, on display. But um, back in the day, like this kind of stuff, I would eat up, like give me like a minute and a half of just, you know, this ass kicking instrumental, whatever. Um, I, I used to love stuff like that. Great for, yeah, but you're making a mixtape or, or, or a CD and you need, you have like a little bit of space at the end. You need something to fill at the end. This would have been like a perfect song for, for that kind of thing. So um, really cool. And then, yeah, it leads into um, a, a, another really, um, beautiful uh power ballad in in talala which um i've always absolutely adored this song and i think this and um sham and a lie are two of the best uh you know power metal ballads ever written by any band i just love them that much um i have a feeling you have some uh deeper thoughts though so i'm gonna I won't hand the baton say, over to you. Well, thank you, and I will run with it. I, I don't have deep thoughts per se, but I have changing thoughts. I used to not really be a fan of this song, and I just kind of had it on there, and I was never really looking forward to it coming on. But I think that it's grown on me a lot over the years, and I think what helped was seeing it live. I saw it live, it's got to be about a decade ago, and I said to myself, you know what? This song's a lot better than I remembered it close to 15 years before that. And so now I would argue that I am a fan and I think that it is absolutely beautiful and she sounds like a beautiful girl and I would really like to meet her. She sounds like a very, I don't know if it's an ex old to an ex-girlfriend or what, but this was uh, really, really good. And I'm, and, and one of the songs that has grown on me more than others, I for, to say the least. Yeah. You know, I was always a sucker for these like real emotional breakup kind of tunes or like, this is definitely this song is definitely lamenting um, a, a, a relationship from the past. And, uh, it, the, you know, from the band that gave us life is better alive years later, um, a, a, a maybe a little bit of a better <laughs> quote um, was uh, it's easier to live alone than fear the time it's over. I always, always, always thought that was such a great quote um, because it's so true. Like it's just such a, it's such a, that is is a great quote. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember like this was a time in my life where like when I was heartbroken, just feeling so like awful and thinking to myself, like if I was alone and not feeling this way, it would be a hell of a lot better than, you know, fearing the, the end of a relationship or lamenting the end of a relationship. So, um, obviously I think this came from a very deep, place um i my girl i never had a girl leave me for a drummer in a band but uh (laughs) you know not everything needs to be exactly uh relatable but um yeah always love this song still love it um 
it's uh, again, like probably letter to Dana is the closest thing to a ballad on Ecliptica. And it's sure. I think it's, I probably said it was my least favorite song when we record, when we uh, talked about it, the between this and last drop falls, like Snot Arica definitely graduated to the a tier when it comes to uh, writing power ballads uh, on their second album. Cause that was something I thought that they just didn't do on the first album. And when, and I don't even know if letter to Dana was meant to be that, that kind of song, but I thought they really hit it out of the park with both of these. And then they would do it again with uh shaman a lie and um probably something else i'm missing from winter hearts guild that i haven't heard uh, i'm not thinking of right at the moment but um yeah good stuff uh, this if black sheep wasn't my song of the week this probably would have been nice um we get to wolf and raven the first single which normally i don't pick singles as my song of the week but this is to me no better representation of the early era of this band than wolf and raven this song, I loved it back when I first heard the album, and I think I actually like it more now. It is an A+. It is fast. It is catchy. Um, it may be their best song. If it's not, it's definitely top three for me. Um, not, not just song of the week, but like I said, song of their career perhaps. And I love how it just goes right into it. There's no delay. There's no intro. It's just bam. It hits you right off the bat. And I like how Tony Kako actually uses slightly harsher vocals on this tune. It's something that you never really heard from him before. And then these riffs that match the keys perfectly. I love it. Great verses, perfect chorus, the high watermark on the album for me, and maybe the best bridge in their entire catalog. There's nothing here that I don't love. Give me more, give me more, give me more. Wolf and Raven all day long. Let's give it a listen because I want to hear your thoughts. There you have it. There's Wolf and Raven. I I, I hope that uh, one minute can do justice for for that song. But I want to hear your thoughts. Do you like it as much as I do, or am I like just blowing smoke here? No, I mean this is like I would argue one of the band's most memorable songs. Um, I think that a lot a lot of that has to do with the fact that there, like I mentioned before, there was a lot of anticipation for their second album. And this was kind of the little sneak peek before the album came out when they released the single and the music video and all that. And, and I don't think it disappointed at all. Um, it's just, uh, 
along with black sheep, it's just the, you know, and I guess throw a web allergy into the mix as well. Just the, those are the three just fast paced, blistering, ass kicking, you know, we grew up listening to black diamond and now we're making our own black diamonds kind of, uh, kind of tune. Um, I love how like midway through the song, it just kind of like stops. There's like a slow drum and then it's just <laughs> right, like, back to, right back to right back. Yeah, the, the keyboards just come flying in like just batshit. Matt Miko Harkin was a beast. Um, yeah, I mean, just a really really awesome song. Um, I, I completely understand uh, your your you know love for it, and it, it's it still holds up. And and again, I think um, a lot of people would probably consider it one of the band's most well known songs. Before we get to the final track, which is this opus of of the power of one, I want to talk about Respect the Wilderness, which is a Japanese bonus track that they kind of inserted before the last track on the actual album proper. Um, Did you have a chance to listen to Respect the Wilderness this week? And and do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I do. Uh, Yeah, I I think this is one of the band's best B-sides. I, again, I think I mentioned this at, at a, a point in, on a previous episode, but I loved when bands wouldn't just cram a song at the end as a bonus track because they felt like the last song should be the last song. So uh, I, I think Halloween was the first band I can remember doing it uh, when they released Better Than Raw. They put, uh, on the Japanese version, they put Back on the Ground prior to Midnight Sun. Uh, rather rather than making it the last song. Whereas on the American version, they had a game we shouldn't play after Midnight Sun. Uh, but I always thought that was interesting, and I've noticed bands did it more over the years. I've seen Stradivarius put bonus tracks like in the dead center part of the album where they think, I think, you know, where they think that the song might fit better than just automatically tacking it onto the end. I think this is a good spot for this song. Um, it's one of my favorite, um, solos. The solo is so catchy with the, um, this, the keys and the guitars, like, like dueling with one another. This song is, is, I don't know. I think this song definitely deserved to be on the album proper. I think this is a really kick-ass tune. And, and they revisited it on one of the acoustic albums that came out last year. Um, they obviously felt strongly enough about about it that they re-recorded it as an acoustic version. But um, I think the, uh, the the whole solo section of the song kind of steals the show. I think that I feel sorry for any track that has to follow up Wolf and Raven. And the biggest compliment I can give this track is that it does a really, really good job of following it up. Um it, it's a tad slower, but still very double bass drum heavy and has that galloping beat to it. Um, in my opinion, they really could have stopped the album with this track if they wanted to. It has a bit of a closing track feel to it. And also it has really strong Twilightning vibes to me. And that's probably part of the reason I love the song so much. Um, really, really good stuff. Really deserves to be, I think, on the album, like you said. Um, because the way the album ends, I, I, I'm conflicted. And the song is called The Power of One. It's clocks in at about, I don't know, 13 minutes in, on, on my album. But it's really about a, about 10 minutes long when it's all said and done. And there's some 
extra stuff at the end that that's not really part of the song, but a little over 10 minutes. An interesting way to end the album. I think it starts with this ominous guitar and the spoken word is back from the intro track. Um, and this is by far their most ambitious song at this point in their career. Proggy in a way. It's got power metal. It's got power ballad. It's got, um, like I said, prog in certain ways. They're kind of covering all the bases here. It's got a little bit of everything. Um, the high notes that Tony Kako hits on this thing are just like head-scratchingly high. It's underrated, but at the same time, it's just all over the place and a little inaccessible when you consider Sonata Arctica as a band that you just want to kind of play and enjoy. Um, I like it, and I like the changes of pace throughout, but it's just a band. It's a song that you need to let it kind of grow and marinate. It's not going to hit you the first time you listen to it. Boy, you said it, because you know what? Every time I listen to this song, I don't remember it. Like yeah. I know it's I know it's on this album, and every time I listen to it, might as well be the first time I've heard it, <laughs> including today I listened to it, and I was like, why do I never remember this song? Like there's something about it. It's ten minutes long and there's nothing memorable about it. And it's like a really good it's a really solid song, but it's just I don't know. Like I don't know if it's just like fatigue where like every song up until this point has been from like very good to fantastic. And maybe like maybe I just don't need a ten minute Sonata Artica song in my life. Although, you know, Destruction Preventer on Ecliptica was a pretty long tune towards the end and I seem to remember that one just fine. I, I, I don't know what the deal is with this song, but I never seem to remember it. And it's but not did like you like a, it. What's that? But do you like it? I do like it. I, I when I, you remember it. When I'm listening to it, which is, seems to be the only time I do remember it, is when it's actually playing. I find myself enjoying it, but it just, I don't know. It just doesn't stick with me for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, I, I can't explain it. I was, I was, I was really curious to hear uh, how you felt about it because I just, it just never like latched on. And this is an album I've listened to many, many times over the years. Um, <laughs> I just can't, I can't explain it. It's just so odd to me. I, well, I I'd like to know if anybody else uh, feels the same way or, or, or if they think we're both crazy and this is like a, a absolute gem that we just missed the boat on. I don't know. Well, I'm glad that we're not alone, or at least I'm glad I'm not alone. As you get to the end of this album, uh, just by way of you know going back in time, we both gave Ecliptica a 9.5, which is amongst the highest scores that we've given any album. It's not the highest, but it's amongst the highest. Is this a 9.5? Is this higher? Is this lower? I, I've, I was really curious to hear what, how this compared to you. And I have a feeling it's not as good, but I wanted, I want to see if I'm right for you. I, I was, I wanted to go back and look and see what we gave the master plan debut uh, as like kind of a debut comparison. Um, and, and it's close. Um, we both gave Ecliptica 9.5, like you said. Uh, Master Plan, I gave a 9.75, and you gave a 9.5. So that's another one we put in pretty high uh, regard. Um, the winner might be Angra with Angel's Cry, which I gave a 10, and you gave a 9.5. So that might be the the um, the measuring stick for debut. I don't know why I gave that a 9.5. I'm surprised I didn't give that a 10. If, I, if we were to do it this week, it might be a 10. Well, maybe maybe we'll have to do a, a revisited episode one of these days. That would be um, awesome. Uh, let's see. 
I think I would give this album, um, I'd give it a nine. Um, it, it's a, it's a shade under Ecliptica for me, but I mean, it, it's still, it's still a classic as far as I'm concerned. Um, and again, you know, nostalgia being what it is and, and time being, you know, what, it, you know, time passing and whatever, but, um, I don't know. I, 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 I just really like this album a lot in spite of not remembering the, the last 10 minutes of it. <laughs> I, I think if you would have asked me before the week, I would have said this is going to be a shade higher than Ecliptica. I just have such fond memories of the album. But, 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 having gone back and listened to it a bunch, I, I do think Ecliptica is stronger from start to finish, and you don't get those one or two tracks that are just weigh it down a little bit. But the highs on this album are amongst the highest of the highs. And to that end, I think that the diversity here makes you makes me play it more than Ecliptica. So if you told me which album by the band would I go listen to, I'd probably listen to this one. That being said, it's a 9.0 for me as well, and it is a shade under Ecliptica. But I think you could make the argument that it's maybe not as um, strong from beginning to end, but it's something that I'm more attracted to just because of the diversity and the fact that, like I said, the highs on this thing are about as high as it gets. Uh, that's well said. Uh, I'm really curious to see where we land when we eventually talk about uh, Winter Hearts Guild because I know a lot of people consider Ooh. that, um, you know, one of the finest Sonata Arctica albums. Um, I don't know that I would agree with that, but it's been a long time since I've yeah, listened to it. I, I mean, I know there's some of my there's some songs that I absolutely adore on that album. Um, there also might be some songs in there that I don't really remember. Uh, apparently, that's a thing that I do with Sonata Arctica, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I think this is a, a really excellent album. Um, to kind of cap things off, they they would release a um, an, an EP after this called um, Orientation. Um, I believe this was released, let's see, just to make sure. August 22nd, um, 2001. Yeah, this was an on, a Japan-only release, um, so it had... Uh, had a couple of the B-sides that would be on the Last Drop Falls single. Um, it included uh, an acoustic version of Mary Lou, which was a B-side from Ecliptica. Um, I really like this uh, acoustic version. of This is a really... I mean, it's already a, a, a ballad, and so now they're just ac- acoustifying it, if you will. <laughs> um, but I think it's a really cool take, and, and uh, it you know gives it a little bit of a different... Uh, flavor. Um, do you have anything to say about this? Or I agree with you. I think it's a great song. I love both versions, but uh, I got no issue with this one whatsoever. Excellent. And then um, it follows up with another two uh, covers of uh, two artists that could not be more different, <laughs> uh, Bette Midler and Iron Maiden. <laughs> and shockingly, both covers are really good. And I like them both better than the Halloween cover. Um, Die with your boot. Quite frankly, I think wind beneath my wind might even be the better cover of the two, but um, tough to say, I think both are are quite good. And then the uh, EP is, um, you know, there's also a Wolf and Raven video, which you mentioned, but uh, a very, very good successor, no pun intended to, to Ecliptica. And then it would be some time, you know, before, before the next album would come out um, in 2000 I think with your heart's I actually I actually heard Sonata Artica cover Still Loving You by the Scorpions and Die With Your Boots On by Iron Maiden before I ever heard the original versions of either of those songs. Wow. So 
Sonata Arco is kind of helping me uh, learn about my metal roots. Uh, 20 years before the metal exchange. Yeah, uh, I will say I had heard I Want Out and um, Wind Beneath My Wings by the original artist (laughs) before Sonata Arctica. But um, yeah, so that kind of covers pretty much everything the band did after Ecliptica, but uh, before Winter Hearts Guild. And I imagine we'll uh, talk about uh, Winter Hearts Guild at some point in the future. And um, I'll probably mention the the live album they released. It's really more of a follow-up to this album. So, and maybe I'll just mention it now. Um, in t- uh, 2002, they released an album called uh, songs of silence live in Tokyo. I have the, um, I believe the European version of it, uh, but there was also a Japanese version that had like a second disc with extra songs on it. I think there's three additional live songs on the, um, the the two CD Japanese version. Um, they actually do a, a live version of Respect the Wilderness on, on this. Uh, so, but um, I mean, shit. If you're if you're a fan of the uh, the first two Snot Artica albums, I mean, this is pretty much just like them playing all their best songs from those two albums. So uh, definitely worth checking out. Um, I hadn't I haven't listened to it in a while, but I, I seem to recall it being uh quite um audibly pleasing as far as production goes yeah better than the video if i'm not mistaken i think there was oh no i'm sorry i'm thinking about the next the the next live album yeah this this is audibly pleasing probably a lot of it cleaned up but if you like those first two albums like you said you could do a lot worse this is basically uh almost everything on the two albums or or damn near close yeah yeah so all right, now we're all caught up. Next time we'll be talking about Victoria's Secret. Speaking <laughs> of, um, you know, they went from midnight air without underwear to going to Victoria's Secret. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe they just didn't have any underwear and they needed to go shopping. So uh, join us next time for Winter Hearts Guild when um, uh, after the midnight air, gave a, she got a little pneumonia. <laughs> but when she was starting to feel better, she went to Victoria's Secret and um, got, got some uh, undergarments to keep her warm at night. Um, I don't know if this was part of the Caleb saga, but uh, I'm just gonna it is make it up make it up as I go along. Um, I like it. A couple of news items: Seven Kingdoms has announced a full run of shows in the U.S. This time, um, a full tour, if you will, uh, where they're headlining. It starts August 11th in Orlando. It ends at Prague Power with their kind of first appearance, I think, at the festival uh, in Atlanta. Interesting lineup that they have for this. Um, Empress, A Sound of Thunder, a band called Aftertime, who I'm not familiar with, and uh, Canada's Osiren, who I saw on 70,000 Tons and was really, really good. So you have to check the tour dates to see who's playing when and whatnot. Uh, I know that they're playing Rochester, so you've got to be pretty excited about that. I know you wanted to see Empress in particular. Yeah, those three bands you mentioned in the middle, I think, are rotating, uh, depending Mm -hmm. on where the uh where the band is playing i uh, believe rochester is getting empress which is exciting Um, yes i would have also liked to have seen a sound of thunder um as i am a uh friends with a couple of members of the band and um i'm just a big fan of uh of nina and her vocals i think she's a real ass ass kicking singer um, and i think you are getting osiren as well i think they're doing the whole tour so if that yes, is the that, case that definitely get there early yeah that's a that's a pretty killer uh three bands to see on a thursday night here in rochester 
about a week or two before Prague Power. So yeah, I think I will definitely be uh, attending that show. That's exciting, and I'm really happy for the the, the people in uh, Seven Kingdoms are a really great bunch of people, and happy to see their success. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. They'll probably get to play a bit more than um, what they'll do at Prague Power. I assume they'll be playing for about an hour at Prague Power, but it, it's cool. Uh, cool to see them do a uh, a headlining tour after seeing them open for so many different bands over the years. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, some news that's not quite as enjoyable. Uh, out of the Seventh Wonder camp, Tommy Karavik has quit Seventh Wonder. It looks like he's going to focus solely on Camelot, and I'm sure that that is absolutely a time drain, but it's also probably was paying the bills for the man, so I, I understand that. But it's uh, it is it is sad because although he was not their original vocalist, he is certainly the person you think of behind the microphone for Seventh Wonder. He released a number of fantastic albums and songs, um, and and they are either going to move on without him, or that might be the end of the band. So we'll we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people expected this to happen a lot sooner. Sure. Um, so I, you know, I he's stuck. He's stuck with the band for a lot longer than I think a lot of people would have guessed. Um, it's definitely a blow. But they are um, they they they're saying they're going to continue without him. I I just don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, you know? I mean, I've read some things that said that like he had um he wrote a lot of his vocal melodies and like it wasn't just he wasn't just a voice like he was a creative part of that band. Um. I don't see the band. I think the band will continue on and I think that they'll still be successful. Um, just very curious who would fit that, that bill. I, to me, I almost feel as if it might be better to go in a different direction than try to find somebody who sounds like him and just kind of, you know, go the, uh, the Van Halen route at, or the Halloween route and just find somebody with a totally different style. Um, I think that that, it's kind of the opposite of what Camelot did when they replaced Khan with, with Tommy because Tommy, you know, I think sounded a bit, not a lot, but I mean, it sounded like he was trying to recreate Khan's energy when he first joined Camelot. I, yep. I think they've gotten a bit away from that, especially Definitely with their, on the new album. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, so- I, I don't know. The, 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 there's so much talent in Seventh, Seventh Wonder and... um I am. I was when when you first told me, I, I was like, I initially thought the band broke up, and I was I was like, really uh, devastated. But it does sound like they will continue. It just will be interesting. Um, I mean, maybe they'll be able to tour more if they have somebody who could pay you know pay the band more attention and more of his time. So um, we'll see. Maybe they go for a a female vocalist. Really change it up. That could be interesting. I hadn't really thought of that until just now, but that could be kind of cool. Well, either way, I look forward to listening. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, time and, and how they decide to go forward. Just, there's no shortage of options. It's just a matter of, you know, I guess, try something different or, or, or go back to the same kind of well. We'll yeah, see. Just don't, we'll see. Just don't get Blaze Bailey. That's all I ask. <laughs> um, and that brings us to next week. And our next episode comes out on the 26th of June. And on the 25th of June, I'm going to a concert. And since I'm going to a concert, you are going to do some prep work with me for said concert. Um, it's an album that I know quite well, but it's an album that you have never heard. The 
album is Anthems to the Welkin at Dusk, and it is the name of the tour for the band that I'm going to see on Sunday, which is Emperor. So we are going back into the Black Metal Archives, and you are going to listen to an Emperor album for the first time. I will say this up front. Unlike the Desecration album we covered, God, it's got to be over a year ago at this point, I think that there's actually a chance you might like quite a bit of this album, not just because it's Isan, but because there's real... There, there's some The songwriting is just more mature, I think, than, than the Desecration album in certain ways, and there's a little bit more balance in between the tracks, especially on the back end of this album, really the back and front end of the album. Um, I am so curious to talk about this, and I'm going to be listening nonstop as I get ready to enjoy them uh, for the concert, but um, I'm going to make you suffer for, and, and come along for the ride. I'm excited. I, I, I at least know kind of what to expect because I, as far as vocally, I, I, I've heard a, a plenty of Isan stuff and I know what he sounds like, but um, yeah, this is, this is from and there are cleans of- on this album. I want to be clear. It's not prevalent, but there are clean vocals throughout the album. So you, it's not, it's not as grating as that just constant black metal barrage for 45 minutes or an hour. There's diversity here. And I think that's why that there's a chance you will say that when it's all said and done, it's your favorite black metal album you've ever heard, which I think there's two of them at this point. So <laughs> you got a one out of two shot. Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that it's, uh, it's uh, my understanding is that it's, it's fairly symphonic. That probably helps matters without, um, without, without a doubt. So, uh, yeah, I had a feeling this day would come, and uh, here we are. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, hey, listen, uh, I'm always excited to listen to something new and different, even though it came out in 1997. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm here fun. for it. I'm uh, here for it. So if you like what you hear, as I always say, give us a like and a follow. We appreciate it. Certainly encourage everyone to please check out our Patreon, where you get the episodes. Early and ad-free, as well as a number of other perks, um, especially as we get towards the end of the month. We have some exciting stuff planned for July, including um, a request from one of our patrons. Where we'll be doing a uh, career retrospective on a band, so we will just kind of tease that for now. But that's how you can make your requests as well. So we invite you to join us, come along for the ride, become a patron. And um, with that, I'm going to go listen to some black metal. I don't know about you, but... Uh, Enjoy the week, my friend. It's been fun. I am not going to do that right now, but <laughs> uh, but I will be uh, as we march towards uh, next week. And um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll get. Maybe by the time we're done with it, I'll be jealous that I'm not going to see my doppelganger live. <laughs> I like it. Enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Alrighty. Take care, buddy. <laughs>